1: You're talking about a family that's going nowhere unless God takes them somewhere. God saves dysfunctional families. If you have faith in God, and God will get you through your mess. Forgiveness and grace and other things will come into play.
2: Well, that is Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's broadcast is entitled, Sent to Save. That's Sent to Save, and we hope that you enjoy it. Remember, you can always find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening to Reaching Your Heart today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and you are always welcome. The broadcast is also streamed live at reachinghearts.org video. We'll have details on that and more as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Tango.
1: Isn't that a good place to start? Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. When you start with spiritual poverty, you start your relationship with God. Judah was sent to save. And here Judah's promise to his father is put to the test. What will Judah do for Benjamin now that the cup has been found in Benjamin's bag? Genesis 44, 33. Now, therefore, Judah is speaking. Let your servant, I pray you. Remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord. And let the lad go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the lad is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would come upon my father. That's one of the great passages of scripture. Don't read quickly over Judah's words here. They are prophetic in that they will contemplate the coming Christ. Judah here offers his life to Joseph to save Benjamin and his father also. My life for his life. Make the exchange for my father's sake. I've heard some smart theologian types try to diminish this idea that Jesus died for our sins. They say, well, that's a pagan idea. Of course, they have to deny the Bible to say that. The Bible says of first importance in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ died for our sins. It's funny how those simple words just can't be explained away. Why did Christ die for our sins? Because our sins are awful. Because awful cannot be ignored. Because when we have sinned, it has left an imprint upon the universe. There is a balancing in the justice system of God's nature. He cannot ignore evil. Christ died for our sins because God loves us more than our sins, more than judgment. He wanted to find the way to save us, but he couldn't set aside his law to do it. So Judas says, let them all go and let me stay your slave in Egypt, Sheol land. That's where I'll stay. Let them live and let me die here in a foreign land. Let them have that peace you offered us and let me have my lot of toil in Benjamin's place for my father's sake, my brother's sake, and also let me take his place in a hard life and then death. Judah's name in Hebrew means praise, but there is none on his lips at that moment in time. Judah asks the question, how can I go back to my father if the lad is not with me? And he also confesses that I fear to see the evil that would come upon my father. You know, we often read this story, and we don't think of Jesus very much. But when you read this story, you should be thinking of Judah and Jesus. God the Father, like Jacob the father of Judah, reluctantly and with a great struggle in his heart sent Jesus, his only preexistent, non-created son who had always been with him from the ceaseless ages of eternity. He sent Jesus Christ, plan A, there has never been a plan B, to save our fallen race that was the younger brother in the family of the universe, a newly created world gone wrong, deceived, sin and death. And when Jesus created this planet, he didn't go back to God after the fall of Adam and Eve and Eden. He didn't say, well, they sinned, I'll go up for a few centuries. No. The one who made us stayed right here to save us because Jesus was sent to save. Turn to John 1 verse 9 and just follow the gospel of John with me. The Bible says the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. That means Jesus stayed to save us. He made the world. He didn't go back to heaven. He stayed here to save the world he made. Verse 11, he came to his own home. That means he adopted the Jewish nation as his people. First Abraham. He formed out of that family the nation that would be his people. So he came to his own home and his own people received him not. In a way, that's all of us. Jesus was treated like Joseph and Jesus took our place like Judah. Took Benjamin's place. Verse 12, but to all who received him. And I like the word all. The condition isn't that everyone will be saved. It's all who received him. To all who received him. And who are those people who believed in his name? See, those who received Jesus believe in Jesus. He gave power, the Greek word is authority, to become the children of God. You may be an illegitimate child in this world. You may have no father or mother that you can figure out. You may be a test tube baby. But if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are a child of the living God. You are a son and daughter of the King. And it doesn't matter what men think of you because God loves you. Verse 13, who were born, not of the blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. To be born of God is to believe in Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory glory as of the only son from the father the shekinah glory light of god that would wipe out the universe in a single flash is shining as love in the face of christ for those who believe in the book of revelation jesus is called the lion of the tribe of judah because jesus in a more profound way than judah could ever be jesus was sent to save on the cross of calvary Jesus made the hard decision to give his life for his younger brother Adam and the whole human race that was in Adam yet to be. He made the decision to take our place. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus started to glow. The light from within him started to come out. The preexistent divine light, the lightning began to flash. His raiment was white and suddenly a power more capable than magnetic attraction was pulling him up to heaven to his father. He'd lived a perfect life as a man. He had never sinned. And the Bible says, if you never sin, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands, his hands were clean. And he began to ascend. The light was attaching with the light of heaven. Peter says the kingdom of God was on the holy mountain of transfiguration, probably Mount Tabor in Palestine, near the Sea of Galilee. But like Judah, Jesus could not face his holy father again, knowing that he had let his younger brother behind to die. He could not leave this planet alone. He could not leave Moses and Elijah to go back to the grave or to die for the first time in the case of Elijah. And like Judah at the dawn of time, Jesus made the pledge to his father to become the surety of the human race. And like Judah, Jesus would not return to heaven without us going home somehow, someday, with him to his father. He wouldn't do that. Jesus stepped down from the holy mountain of light in the night because Jesus was sent to save. Friend, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah in the book of Revelation who went to the cross in our place for us So he, as the best of Judah's clan, could take us home to glory for his sake and for his father's sake also. Why did Jesus do all this for you and me? Ask that question. Why did he do it? Friend, Jesus is the servant of the Lord, Yahweh God, in the book of Isaiah. And the Gospels also who was sent to save us with the revelation of God's love and the fix for our legal predicament because we have sinned and broken God's law. John three 16. Let's look at this verse. This is the Revised Standard Version. Would you mind reading it with me? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through Him. Friend, more than Judah... But like Judah also, Jesus was sent to save and Jesus got it done on the cross better than Judah ever could. Judah stood before Joseph that fateful day, willing to give his life for his brother. Judah and Joseph were two men and brothers also whose lives had become intertwined by the need to lead to save the lives of others. In Joseph, God sent a man to save the world from universal famine and hunger by the gift of wisdom and administration. Joseph represents the wisdom of God like the wisdom of Proverbs 8 that created the world, who is Christ, that would come in Jesus, who is the living word of God, who would come to save us from the universal hunger that can only be filled when we taste the bread of life, that is the truth found in Jesus, that is manna in a man that feeds the world. Christ is the storehouse, the storehouse for the famine of 6,000 years of sin and ignorance, to make us all feed on the truth. Judah represents the substitute savior, the one we all need because we have sinned and broken God's law, who was sent to save us from our collective and our personal condemnation. How? By taking our place and bearing our guilt on our cross by identifying with our sin. Jesus did that for us. Both men were sent to save in different kinds of ways, and both men are types of Jesus Christ in unique ways. So when we read the stories in the book of Genesis, don't just read the story thinking it doesn't matter. These types, these stories become the pattern of salvation. They'll be acted out in the life of Christ. But in this amazing story, Judah rises to the ascendancy. You have Joseph and you have Judah. But who is the one that rises to greatness? It's Judah more than Joseph. Judah will become the father of the line of the Messiah because Judah chose to lay down his life for his brother in a foreign land. It is no small task to act on the promise made in earnest to your father to save your younger brother and to bring your brother back alive to the father for you and your father's sake. Judah was sent to save. In the Joseph narrative, Judah's life and Joseph's life are contrasted as brothers. They both rise to leadership roles. They both in some way are sent to save. Judah begins his journey as a young man with no real self-control. And he demonstrates this by seeking out a prostitute that's actually Tamar. And he has, there's a child born out because of the death of his wife. I mean, he has a life out of control. Joseph, in contrast, about the same time in Egypt, refuses to sleep with his master's wife. They're opposites. Here, though, the roles are reversed at the end of the story. Judah is now at last exercising amazing self-control. It is a beautiful thing to behold in the man whose name means praise. Praise God for Judah, who chooses to lay down his life for his brother. And finally, notice this. Joseph loses his self-control in the good kind of way as the pain of all those years comes together for him so he can express it and get it out. So Judah rises to the ascendancy here. He has at last divined the truth. Joseph knows the intent that is in his brother's heart. He sees him with a wizard's eye. He has divined what is inside. The last words Joseph heard from Judah before he went to Egypt, Judah, yes, Judah had spoken the words that had wounded him, that had caused that deep trauma inside of him. I said last week, deep trauma changes you physically for the rest of your life. Children who experience deep trauma are altered children. They can rise to greatness, but they can never leave that package behind. It's part of who they are. Judah had caused deep trauma in Joseph. Judah was the one brother who offered the idea to sell him into slavery. Look at Genesis 37, 26. Then Judah said to his brothers, this is at the pit of Dothan, when they made the decision, he says, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother, our own flesh and his brothers heeded him. Judah's plan was to send him away. Judah was the one who said, let's get rid of him. Murder is murder. Whether you do it yourself or you have someone else do it for you, it doesn't matter. It is still murder for you if you're behind the idea. Judah came up with the bad idea to sell Joseph into slavery knowing full well he would die in Egypt. Slaves don't live long working in the hot sands of Egypt beneath the pyramids. Before long, all slaves are buried in the sands of Sheol and forgotten quickly. Joseph loses it at last. All that deep trauma is going through him. He loses it at last when he finally realizes that his brother Judah is a changed man. God has been working in Judah's life just like God has been working in Joseph's life. These two great men meet face to face. They came to greatness from different directions. Judah rises to the ascendancy because Judah was sent to save. Genesis 45 verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone get out from me. Get out of here. Get out of here. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Chuck Swindoll has postulated, and I think he's probably correct, That when he revealed himself to his brothers, he probably revealed that he was circumcised. That would have been the sign that he was, in fact, a member of the clan. It would have been the ultimate evidence. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph emptied the room that was full of Egyptians with a cry and a command. The ground on which Joseph and Judah stood facing each other down, where they all stood together as 12 brothers, again, was now holy ground by a divine design and a divine decree that started at Dothan. You remember the pit at Dothan? Dothan means in Hebrew, the decree. It is the pit of the divine decree. You throw Joseph in the pit, he comes out, it's God's will in play. God was in the middle of those brothers' lives, making them 12 brothers again. How? Through grace and forgiveness and an amazing providential shepherding of a family that is very dysfunctional. Some of you say, Pastor Mike, I don't know how on earth God's going to save my family. I struggle, I pray, I see the mess in my grandchildren, I see the mess in my children. You know what? I looked in the mirror this morning and I see the mess in me. And how can God save my family? Maybe going to church doesn't make any sense. Realize when you read this story of Joseph and his brothers and Jacob, you're talking about a family that's going nowhere unless God takes them somewhere.
2: We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. So please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video that's reachinghearts.org slash video many archived messages are available there for you and you can attend a live service in a streaming format at that website reachinghearts.org slash video let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanko in today's Reaching Your Heart
1: God saves dysfunctional families if you have faith in God and God will get you through your mess forgiveness and grace and other things will come into play God was in the middle of those brothers' lives, making them 12 brothers again through grace and forgiveness and through the power of the angel of the Lord he redeems. The Almighty God was manifesting his gracious presence to save Judah from his awful sins, Joseph from his terrible pain, and all of them from each other, and all they had done in their dysfunctional family system. Joseph, this amazing man of self-control, is here at last losing it weeping like a baby boy who has carried a heavy burden all of his adult life. The wounded child that was locked up inside his traumatized head, traumatized by their deep attack and betrayal and murderous intent, is here without warning, getting it all out in the open, opening up the deep and dark chambers of his mind and heart. As long pent-up tears flow like a river, a soothing river to wash away the fear and the pain of the years that were lost in the prison of the roundhouse in the circle of the mundane where he lost his childhood. Verses three and four. And Joseph said to his brothers, Now this is I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. The Hebrew is Bahal, it says, For they were terrified at his presence. They were shaking in their shoes. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now sequence matters here. Let's follow it through. First, Joseph says, I am Joseph. These three words that are actually two in Hebrew, I, Joseph, that's Hebrew. Ch'ani, Yosef. I, Joseph, changed everything in a moment. I am Joseph, which means I am alive. I'm here. I'm your brother again. I'm Joseph. I, Joseph. I have not lost my identity through the struggle I've been through. I know who I am now. Secondly, Joseph asks, Is my father still alive? All of those years had passed in pain for him, and Joseph could never forget his father in that far off land. When his son Manasseh was born to him, Manasseh, through Asenath, his wife, Joseph had thought that God had caused him to forget all his father's house. That's what he said, but not so, because he can never forget his father. Thirdly, Joseph said, come near to me, I pray you. The Hebrew can be translated, please come near to me. It's a plea. Please come near to me. Joseph had been alone and torn from his family for many years. To be healed, they must be healed together as one family again. They had sent him away from them, and so he asked them to please come near to me. Reverse what you did to me. You went away, you sent me away, please come near to me, he says. And so they drew near for the first time since the crime that had destroyed their family. Fourthly, Joseph says, I am, he doesn't say I'm Joseph here, he says I am your brother, Joseph. Whom you sold in Egypt, He could have said all kinds of things that would have wounded them for life. They had come to Egypt with the claim that they were 12 brothers, sons of one father. And now Joseph reminds them that he is that other brother sold for slavery into Egypt. Joseph never left them behind in his mind and heart. He never left them behind. They left him behind, but he didn't leave them. And because of God's grace, they would always be for him his brothers i am joseph your brother joseph said i am joseph your brother whom you sold into egypt cain and abel were brothers until cain killed abel joseph will not be a cain what does it mean to be a brother when your brothers sell you into egypt and wish you dead what does it mean to be a brother i think psalms 133 was written with joseph and his brothers in mind a song of a sense it's a song about going up not going down we need to be going up kind of people. Song of Ascents, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head, running down upon the beard, upon the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. In the church, we are all brothers and sisters. Why? Because the blood that was shed for me was shed for you. We are blood brothers. We are blood brothers and sisters. And so we must learn to forgive as Jesus did. And we must learn to heal. And we must learn to seek out the best for the other, not ourselves. To show that we are brethren. Why? Because God sent Jesus to save us all in a way. God sends us all to save in the same way. We are sent on the same kind of mission that Jesus came on. He was sent to save. And so the church is not about the preacher. The church is not about you looking good in some office you occupy. The church is about you making a difference in the lives of someone who needs you. You're the only Jesus they'll ever meet. You're the person that God has sent to save in the circle that is your circle of influence. Joseph's words to his brothers are chosen and fit words that will define his character for all time in relationship to them. They said, We are 12 brothers. He proved it, that they are 12 brothers. Genesis 45, 5 to 8. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. He doesn't want them having these deep psychological issues after this day. That's what he has had. He says, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Now, maybe you came to church today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm angry with myself, I'm distressed with myself because I've sinned, I've messed up, and God would say to you today, don't be angry with yourself and don't be distressed. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Jacob sent Judah to Egypt to save his family. And that he did by choosing to reverse this sin of his youth, by choosing to give his life for his brother Benjamin. And God sent Joseph in the mix of all their evil deeds before them to save the world from hunger and famine, and Jacob's family also. Judah and Joseph are the two great figures in the Joseph narrative because they show in prophetic, typological terms what Jesus did for us in two very important ways when God sent Jesus to save the universe, to save our world, and to save our souls Friend, never forget that God sent Jesus to save you. Like Judah, God sent Jesus to save you. Like Joseph, God sent a man to preserve life and to save you. Sent to save. But most profoundly, Jesus was sent to save. That part of you that no one would want to save, the part of you that hurts, the part of you that can only be healed by God's amazing grace, Can you hear Jesus speaking through the lives of Joseph and Judah? Can you hear Jesus speaking when he says to you, I am Jesus. I was sent to save you and to preserve your life for me and my father. I am Jesus, your brother, sent to save.
2: That's going to conclude Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today Entitled, Sent to Save Today's Reaching Your Heart You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com And thank you so much for listening today We would really love for you To be a part of our worship service It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road Laurel, Maryland 20707 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road Laurel, Maryland